Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, what's up? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be going over Ephesians. And I'm sultry. And you are always salty. So, <laughs> so anyway, so we're, <laughs> we're in Ephesians. Ephesians, we're going to continue where we left off. We left off on uh, verse 5 of chapter 1 um, last week. So we will be picking up there. And, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to read uh, 1 through 9. 1 through 9? 1 through 9? 1 through 9? 1 through... Nope. Nope. 12. Uh, 1 through 12. Oh. I'd like to end on a period. Okay. Can I read? Of course. I've been waiting on you. Okay, cool. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Here ends the reading. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for it. So, so okay, so last week we kind of left off. We kind of jumped in into uh, where Paul leaves off and dives into a little bit of predestination. Um, we kind of started talking about it, had a little open banter about it. Um, I'd like to really just s- s- jump right into it and let's just try to work through it as easily as possible. Um, yeah, cool. So when we when we were talking about predestination, one thing I wanted to mention and just 
plane ran out of time was that in verse 5 it says he predestined us to adoption as sons and a lot of people when they think about predestination they're not thinking about the sonship aspect they're thinking about i I don't know predestined to be you know a, a worker or a slave or you know something something relatively impersonal but i think it's important when we talk about predestination and election that we think about what role we have been predestined and elected to right it's as sons not as anything else granted in other places paul will refer to believers as slaves or bond servants depending on your translation and and as other things too but really at bottom we are sons of god and god is our heavenly father and christ is our brother so I'm, and I think that that's the best way to view our our predestination and election. Right, we're predestined to be adopted into a family, exactly. a covenant family. Exactly. So we're not predestined to be like cops or you know uh, teachers, mm-hmm. lawyers, such and such. Right. Right. So it's right. it's it's more of a spiritual predestination, correct? Yeah, exactly. it's 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 a predest- it's predestining predestining us into not a role or a job primarily, but, a but relationship as an identity. Thought. Yes, yeah, a relationship, a relational identity. Right. Okay. Yeah, I I can't... and then there then there are roles and things to do from there because there's a calling that goes with sonship, but primarily at bottom we have to be seen as sons and daughters of God before we can be disciples and slaves. Right. Yeah, I I think after giving thanks, Paul plunges immediately um, into a straightforward preaching of the gospel. Um, That is the forgiveness of sins, inheritance of eternal life in Jesus Christ, um, by which we are not only made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, but also children of God. Um, And here he openly inserts a, a long discourse about divine predestination, which offers the greatest comfort to believers who know that everything is in the hand of God and that whatever happens to them is God's purpose for them. Um, What is more pleasant to me than to know that my salvation and especially my life is in the hands of God, um, he says, no one will snatch um, believing sheep out of my hand and no one will can snatch them out of my father's hand. Um, he says this back in John. Um, Darn tootin'. Uh, but if salvation were in my hands, it would be dis- it would have disappeared a long time ago. I would have lost it. Um, when an ungodly godly person hears about predestination, they turn and turn it into an argument of ungodliness. Um, but just as Paul was not afraid to speak of it, um, we shouldn't be afraid to confess freely that just as everything has been created by God, so it is controlled by his hands. Y- you know what I mean? So I think we need to really focus solely into that everything is predestined by God because it was created by God. And it's a really humbling doctrine to believe because it's the only one that completely removes your your work, your 
uh, your lovability, your anything about you from the equation. You didn't have you didn't submit a resume to God, and then God picked you based on what you were going to do. Right. You know, looking through the corridor of time or whatever. He he predestined you before there was a world for you to be born into. That's totally humbling exactly. because you know the, all the grace comes from God. You didn't work to get him on your side. Right. Because if yeah and, the uh, go ahead. I w- I was going to read chapter ten of the sixteen eighty nine, the first paragraph. Read it. 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 It says on of effectual calling. Those whom God hath predestined unto life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death, in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and saving, savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. Boom. Amen. That's, I love the 1689. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's clear and to the point. I love that it says made willing, too, because a lot of people try to straw man this doctrine saying that we're all a bunch of robots, that God has set all the dominoes up and they're just falling in order. There's nothing you can do, but that's, that's really not it. Yes. God has predestined and chosen his covenant people, but you know, once, once we've been regenerated, we want to, to go forward in godliness. We want to know God and we want to honor God. It's, he changes our will when we're saved, when we're indwelled by the Holy spirit. Isn't there a, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but Calvinists do not believe that, or Reformed Christians do not believe that the elect, those predestined unto salvation, are saved before they're regenerated. They're, I believe the hyper-Calvinists do. But, You're talking uh, about regeneration precedes faith kind of thing? Yeah, but... There, there but, are some that believe in predestination that believe that even before we are justified in, in the moment that we come to faith in Christ by the hearing of the gospel, before that we are saved in actuality. Oh, yeah. We are not. Yeah, that's whack. Until we are justified. Right. So I think, um, huh, let's... Uh, jump into where it says God loves God's love calls us to be holy um, he he calls us to be holy for a specific reason um, and it's has to do with election and election is the free um, setting apart before the foundation of the world so that we might be holy and blameless in the eyes of God um, in love, the causes of election are the love of God, grace and mercy. The effects um, are to be holy and blameless. Predestination is a free setting point. It, it's a free setting point that sets us apart um, before the foundation of the world. 
um, so that we may obtain the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Um, the causes of this are the grace, mercy, and, and pleasure, and the will and election of God. The effects are our adoption as children of God, our acceptance um, as children of God, and so on. Um, our redemption is a work of grace, mercy, pleasure, plan, and will, love, counsel, election, predestination, and calling of God made through Jesus Christ so that we should be holy and blameless in the sight of God as adopted children of God, accepted children of God for the forgiveness of sins. Um, the causes and effects of our redemption are set out in in this basic definition, um, the particular signs by which we know that we are predestined to be adopted as children of God are based on, on the Word of God, not on our ability or dignity and not, of, not on our works or merits. Um, whoever picks up the Word and believes, it has the proof that he is predestined to adoption of a to be a child of God, and whoever believes in Him will not perish. Um, if someone cl- well, and, and go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, we we see the outcome of that predestination, and thus the conversion that comes. You know, you know, pre- we, predestination, election, <clears throat> uh, um, regeneration, conversion, and then we see the outcome in verse six is to to praise the glory of God's grace. So the whole the whole purpose of the thing isn't just to make people who are morally good and upright in the world. It's to praise God's glory. Exactly. Because that's the ultimate good for all mankind, especially of those that believe, is for God to be praised. That's the whole point of our life. I want to read... And so, it, it, and we lose sight of that, I think, sometimes in the church, because a lot of, a lot of times... People are encouraged to be better and try harder, and that's great. But the whole, sometimes the point of being taught those things is so that you can look better to other people, and they will say that it adorns the gospel. Right. The problem is the gospel is for God's glory, and that's what we're supposed to be living for. And if we're just living to look good to other people, that's not necessarily going to glorify God. If we're not pointing people to God, exactly. we're just pointing them to our own righteousness exactly. or what we think is our own righteousness. Yep. And if you're if you're constantly preaching the you're not doing this, do this, do do better kind of sermons all the time, you're really leaving out grace and mercy and compassion and all those all those parts that that are the gospel, you're leaving that out and that's what people thirst for, that's what they want. And you know and what's that's funny? What they need. What you're talking about there we might call that preaching the law, but you're not even preaching the law very well. Because even no. when you even when you preach the law, the whole point is to show people that they aren't glorifying God. Right. And if you're just doing that, you're not even getting that far. You're only half it's, preaching. It's just the law. like a it's a motivational speech, is what it is. Yeah. With some buzzwords thrown in and a cool haircut. Here, here's what John Calvin has to say on this: the sublime, the sublime mercy of God. 
Um, Calvin quotes this in his commentary on Ephesians. Um, He says, This passage deserves our special attention because the mercy of God is nowhere described more sublimely than it is here. The pleasure of God's will is what called us, and Christ was the means by which this calling was made effective. Um, By saying that God called us according to the pleasure of his will, Paul is excluding any external cause that might have influenced God to save us. When he adopted us, the Lord did not look at what we were what we are and what and was not impressed by any merit of ours his only motive was his own decision in christ he poured his love out on us and that's what calvin quotes in his commentary he took the wrath we should have gotten and he poured out love on us who should have gotten wrath yes that's called the great exchange boom boom <laughs> good stuff uh, one other thing, uh, this is just kind of a side note on verse 6, but uh, here in the NASB, and I wonder what it might say in CSB there, Sean. No one cares. At the end where it says that, that he freely bestowed <laughs> on us, <laughs> um, right. he freely bestowed on us in the beloved with a capital B. Now I've heard uh, some, what does it say in CSB? Uh, verse 6 is to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one capital B capital O okay there's a there's a point for the CSB right there cuz i've heard some some teachers even some that i respect somehow make the beloved another word for the church seeing that yeah. we we are the beloved which i mean okay yes christians are beloved by god we're the covenant people the bride of christ but this is a reference to christ not the church don't you take this away from me (laughs) (laughs) we're only beloved because he's beloved dearly beloved but it's another i think that's another uh text in support of the uh, covenant of redemption too who what who's the pastor that always said beloved was it james montgomery boyce or Oh. I thought, didn't D. James Kennedy say that? I can't remember. I cannot. From Coral Ridge? Or... I think Martin Lloyd-Jones said beloved as well a lot, if I can remember right. but He had a he had a great accent. Dude. He, had, he really did. He had a wicked accent. He's, he had a great accent. <laughs> Not as good as Sinclair Ferguson. But... <laughs> Sinclair Ferguson. I bet Charles Spurgeon had a sweet accent. I bet he did. I bet he had like a, a good cigar voice probably too. Probably had a rusty. Yeah, he had a gruff cigar British accent. Western voice where he's just gonna sharpshoot people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or but anyway, that was a pet peeve of mine about the beloved. That's Jesus, not us. I heard Charles Spurgeon had the voice of, um, who's that? An angel? No. Um, <laughs> oh shoot! What's the what's the big chicken in Looney Tunes? What's that guy? Um, Foghorn Leghorn. Leghorn. Now let me tell you something. <laughs> I say, I say, I say, pay attention, boy. Yeah. See. So we've been talking about election and predestination stuff here, 
but uh, in verse 7, we're talking about redemption now, and redemption, redemption through Jesus' blood. We're not even on verse 6 yet. Yeah, we are. We just did verse 6. No, we have not. Yeah, we did. I got notes I haven't said yet. Oh, boy. I'm kidding. Let's move to verse 7. <laughs> Well, it just reminds me, another triggery doctrine, we're seeing that in verse 7, and that's penal substitutionary atonement. Oh, man, let's, because there, uh, let's get into and that. And see, I don't know why that's triggery. I don't, I don't understand. You don't understand why that's triggery? Have you not heard the different no, types I of No, I just assume that's Christianity. No! Oh, my gosh, you should hear half of the crap that people believe in. Oh. I think that's the one piece of liberalism that Catholicism never latched onto. Yeah, obviously. Because if without penal substitutionary atonement, the mass would mean nothing. Exactly. I mean that—that's the whole point. The mass is fake so, anyway. So <laughs> it's not fake. It's—it's totally. it's just not. It's, it's just it's, idolatry. Yeah, it's just—it's—it's totally. it's wrong. It's not fake. It actually happens. The mass, the mass is about as fake as the Pope. <laughs> Speaking of triggery, yeah, that's a, here it is. I'm not even Catholic just, anymore, and I get yeah. triggered by comments Ugh. like that. <laughs> you just you do it on purpose. I hate you. <laughs> but it really is true. We have redemption through the blood of Christ because the blood sacrifice has always been the way that God has ordained for sins to be forgiven. No, 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 now, no, 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 no. Let's let's talk about penal substitution before we move on. You brought it up. Okay. Let's talk about pen. We already kind of no, touched on it. Just you touched on a lot of things, just not that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Set it straight, Scott. Fine. So, hey, Scott. Don't talk. What is penal substitutionary atonement? So when we talk about penal substitutionary atonement. Penal substitution, um, according to John Stout, evangelical Christians believe that in and through Christ crucified, God substituted himself for us and bore our sins, dying in our place, the death we deserve to die in order that we might be restored to his favor and adopted into his family. Jesus' death bears God's wrath against our sins which is penal, okay, and Jesus dies in our place, it is a substitution. Um, the model of atonement is a dramatic uh, key. It's a charismatic picturing of divine action whereby God brings about reconciliation by punishing Christ in the stead of sinful men and women. Um, thus, the penal substitutionary view maintains that Jesus' death was a sacrifice for sins in our place as a representative. Um, since our first representative was Adam, now we have the final and secondary Adam, which is Christ. Um, he was our final representative, um, which this is where it gets funny. So... We have different types um, of atonement that people believe in, um, which is I'm gonna I'll I'll go through a few. We'll just we'll talk about a few. Um, uh, there's 
Hang on. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> one of one of them is a provisional atonement that uh, Mr. Leighton Flowers uh, espouses, which basically is no atonement at all. Yeah. Because it's just a potential atonement that Jesus basically holds out there, and you're you're. It's up to you to walk up and uh, receive it from him, or you can just walk yeah, away and not. It's up to you as a dead spiritually dead, dead person that hates God to walk up to Jesus and be like, yes, sir, I'd like I'll to have, have some more. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Good Dickensian reference. Um, the, there's types of atonement. So you have recapitulation, um, which is... Ba- Capitulation. Recapitulation. Yeah, I can never say that stupid word. Um, in the Gospel, Jesus is depicted as a representative of humanity in general, and Israel in particular, God and Israel, or Adam and Israel, both held the title Son of God, and Jesus is the eschatological Son of God, who embodies their role in his own person. Um, Luke emphasizes this in his genealogy, where Jesus is related to the Son of David and the Son of Adam um, in his family line. Matthew uh, typologically connects the flight of the holy family to Egypt to the escape of evil design of Herod and great with uh, Hosea 11 1 um, in this way Jesus's own biography uh, recapitulates um, similar events in Israel and Exodus story where Adam and Israel disobeyed God when they faced temptation Jesus was obedient um, and faithful as seen in the temptation narrative where he resists the devil in Luke 4. Um, so basically it turns Jesus into an allegory. Well, Arrhenius um, saw the story of salvation and as consisting of fallen human beings being removed from the corruption of the first Adam and becoming partakers of salvation of the second Adam. Uranus called this recapitulation. Recapitulation, yeah, whatever. Recapitulation. Yes, yes. Um, whereby God's purpose was to sum up all things in Christ. Adam was historical person who disobeyed God, and humanity thereafter participated in Adam's sin and shared his guilt. When the Son of God became a human being, he gathered um, to himself the whole of humanity and the entire human race, and he stands as the new representative. Um According to Arrhenius, um, he became the incarnate and was made man. He commenced afresh, um, summed up in himself the long line of human beings, and furnished us in a brief, comprehensive manner with salvation, um, so that we had, which what we lost in Adam, namely to be according to the image of God in our likeness, um, his likeness that we might recover in Jesus Christ. And a lot of this is, it kind of goes with what we really believe, but you get into a lot more foggier areas like um, the ransom, um, which was a common mode of atonement. It was popular in early church history. Um, the It was basically... Where we had been stolen by Satan spiritually and that Jesus died to pay the right. ransom for our yeah, souls. Yeah, exactly. It was to whom was the ransom paid. Or um, It denies that it was paid to God. Rather, it was paid to the devil. Um, 
Gregory uh, of Nisa um, in 330 and 395 AD, um, he agreed that the devil had a legitimate claim over humanity. Since through the fall, all humans had voluntarily placed themselves under the devil's power. In order to set humanity free from the devil, God paid the devil a ransom price for his property. Um, the devil was dazzled by Christ's miracles. Um, the devil was deceived because of the deity of Christ was veiled and the flesh of Jesus. Um, but Gregory, he compared the devil to the hungry fish who swallowed the bait of Jesus' Jesus's humanity, but got caught up in the hook of Christ's deity, which I found really funny as we went over it in class. <laughs> Insert the Paul Washer blasphemy gift. Right, but here's what's really interesting. So we hold Augustine really high in value over this, but he actually agreed with this. Um, at one point. At one point, yeah. And he, that was the problem. That's the problem with Augustine because he was, you've got him being the father of Catholicism, the but then also the father of the Reformation. Yeah, so it's yeah. like Augustine versus Augustine in the Reformation. And another one was, uh, it was Christus Victor, um, Jesus's death as a victory over death, the devil and evil. Here, the significance of Jesus's death is a cosmic, and it produces a victory over the dark powers, personal or impersonal, angelic or political, that enslaved the people of God. Um, this was a terrible model, terrible model. I, I thought this was ridiculous. Um, yeah, Christus Victor isn't isn't a great theology. And then then there's a satisfaction atonement, um, which the satisfaction theory identifies Jesus' death as a means by which restitution is made as an alternative to punishment, which was completely ridiculous. So, which it really it it follows the moral um, rupture in the universe that God cannot allow or continue infidelity. Um, only possible way of repaying the debt was for being of an infinite greatness to live as a person on behalf of human beings um, and to repay the debt of an honor that was owed to God, um, which was completely ridiculous. Um, the whole common theme of all these things is to remove the justice of God from the, the reason for salvation. Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, they 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 don't want God being the one receiving the uh, or or His wrath being uh, placated by the death of Christ. They want it. They want it to be transactional, in some way or another, between between God and some other some other force. Right. And I. Yeah. It's 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 weird. Um, even as a kid, I remember being taught that. Um, they kind of used the cross. Uh, keep in mind, I was like six. Okay, so they used the cross as a visual aid here, like an image of a cross, and they would kind of show in the intersection, and they would say, "The cross is where God's wrath and God's grace intersect," because in Jesus on the cross. His wrath is poured out on Jesus so that his grace can be poured out on us. And, uh, I mean, that was that, the easiest way to That's a really good, simple way to explain it. Right. 
Yeah, and I because God's justice had to be served against sin, otherwise he would be pardoning sin, which would go against his nature. But then at the same time, uh he's providing a way for people to to escape that judgment and be in uh in communion with with him because Jesus took the punishment for the sins that the elect have committed. Right. So it's the only way for God's justice to be satisfied and for a covenant people to be forgiven and made children of God. Yeah. Unless it's, not it's the simplest that most biblical was... explanation for the cross. But it's and, the one it's the one thing that so many people hate. Exactly. Exactly. The, the fact that Christ was the perfect sacrifice and it had to be a perfect sacrifice in order to atone eternally for the sins of all those who had hope in the seed before Christ's incarnation and all those that would come after that were of the elect, everyone, it had to be an eternal sacrifice that could span time to save all of them. That's a good, that's a good point. You want to talk about that a little more? Cause that's a question a lot of people have. They're like, well, how in the world did people like Abraham get their sins forgiven? If Jesus wasn't even going to be born for another, you know, another millennium. Right. Yeah. How's that possible? It's it's. It, I always mention Genesis three fifteen, and it's but that that is the the first gospel, the first promise of Jesus Christ, and from that, Adam and Eve had hope in that one day they would be saved from their sin, and this continued on through through the generations. And through through the patriarchs, through the family of Israel, everything, these people had hope in the coming Messiah. They didn't know how that was going to happen. They didn't know who it would be. And eventually, they, you know, David came around, and David figured out. David was told in the Davidic covenant that from him, from his line this king was going to come, this Messiah, this Savior, to save his people. And still, at that point, they didn't know exactly the details, how that was going to happen, but they had hope in God's promises and had faith in, in the one to come. And that that faith is what saved them, just as our faith saves us now. Man, that was masterful. Thank exactly. you. Glory. That was great. And I, I think it's very Thank important. You. Hey, Mike! I think it's I think this is very important that we go over and discuss this with our listeners, um, because a lot of churches they don't go over the importance of the atonement, and they get a false view, and then they start to come up with their own ideas of what the atonement entailed, and that's how you get these terrible theories and ideas that lead to false belief and i and when and once you get your christology wrong which this is a christological subject once you get your christology wrong you get it all you're gonna get the rest of everything wrong exactly yeah yeah jesus didn't die as your role model he died in your place because you're a horrible wretched sinner otherwise that wrath that was poured out on him was going to be poured out on you And I I think we'll dive more into that next week, and um, I think we'll pick up where we left off. We got a whole two verses. Hey, way to go, guys. We did good. (laughs) We did good. I'm telling you, Ephesians is going to be one of those slow ones to go through. It's 
it's like every sentence is like theologically rich. Like you have to stop and it's almost like Romans. It would take years right. to get through Romans. Oh, the, there's some oh, we yeah. haven't even touched just from the two verses that we have that we talked about tonight. Yeah, exactly. There's all aspects of this we didn't even get to. So we got plenty of time, which we have plenty of time, and we'll get back to it. Um, but I want to go ahead and leave this up to you guys. Hey, where can they find us? They can find us at the website, guyswithbibles.com. You can go on there and read the blogs. We post two a week. You can also listen to the audio of the podcast on there as well. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever it is Google's calling their podcast feed now. Uh, Overcast, Pocket Casts, um, Podbean. Pretty uh, much any podcast. Pretty All the main places. Right. And then uh, hit us up on social media. You can join the Facebook page. Just search for Guys with Bibles on there. You'll see our gorgeous artwork done by the bald Calvinist. Go ahead and ask to join, and we'll get you in there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Guys with Bibles. You can also follow us on Instagram at the same handle. We have open DMs on Twitter, so please... Uh, Tweet at us, send us a private message if you like. You can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And that goes to all three of our personal devices. And we'd be glad to read any emails, which would be uh, feedback, what you like, what you don't like, some topic suggestions maybe, uh, or just general conversation. It's always nice to talk to people about theology for a little bit, whether you agree with us or not. It's a lot of fun. Yep. And, uh, So join us next week for Ephesians 1, verse 8, and we'll work from there. And we look forward to uh, speaking with you and you guys listening. And we will see you later. And we're Guys with Bibles, and we're out. No, you won't. It's a podcast, Lee. (laughs) No, you won't. It's a podcast.